Welcome to the Creation Innovation Podcast. I'm your host, Elizabeth King. Together, we'll have conversations with incredible human beings who have taken their creative outlet and turned it into something innovative. From people leaving the corporate world to be eight-figure entrepreneurs, to people who have created books, created a family, or just creating to have fun in the world. We are all in a journey to create something amazing in our lives, and I hope that you find some inspiration of your own here. This is the Creation Innovation Podcast. everyone. Welcome back. I'm really excited today to speak with Kristen Hodgen. She is the co-founder and chief creative officer at Rescriptive. Rescripted, excuse me. She is also a professional writer, voracious reader, which I want to hear more about that, fierce fertility advocate, yay, and proud IVF mom of twins, which I always say, like, I can't even imagine twins. So we'll dig into that too. <laughs> she currently lives in Long Island with her husband, Dan, and those two kids, Brooke and Charlie. So let's dig in and find out about you, Kristen. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. It's wonderful to meet you. Yeah. So as we were just talking before we started to record is we're all about creation and creating in whatever way that that looks like. You obviously helped create Rescripted. So tell us how that came to be. A lot of people who are listening are either in the fertility world and or entrepreneurs and are looking to see how do how do you even start to like figure that out, right? So tell us a little bit about your story. Yeah, well, I first of all, I love the whole concept of this podcast because you know, I think a common theme among some some of us fertility entrepreneurs is that you know, we had a pain point on our own journey that we really felt like needed solving. And so we set out to sort of create whatever it was that we, you know, felt like was missing. So for me, it really was sort of the connection on my first fertility journey. I, I, in my head, I guess I break it up into, (laughs) I've had several fertility journeys, Um, but at that point I was 27. I had just gotten diagnosed with PCOS. I got referred immediately to a fertility specialist. I'm sitting in a fertility clinic waiting room. No one's making eye contact. (laughs) No (laughs) one's even looking up from their phones. And, you know, I really felt like in the one place where you should be able to find support because here are all these other people that are going through something very similar to you, there really wasn't anything available, like no support groups, no online resources, uh, nothing of that kind. So it's so awkward too, when you think back on it, right. Of like, everybody's thinking the same things, nobody's talking. And I know for me, when I finally did ask about support, they were like, oh, we have the resolve meetings that Mm -hmm. come every so often or whatnot. But that was after the fact, right? After I was crying in front of the phlebotomist who has no idea what to say to me, you know? And, <laughs> well, exactly. Well, you yeah. don't, and you don't even really know where to begin at that yeah. point. Like, and your clinic feels like the best place to start, but like, maybe it's actually not. So, right. and you know, I was under 30, so none of my friends were trying to conceive, let alone mm. going through treatments. And my mom had never had trouble conceiving. And so I really felt very alone, but as someone who, you know, is an open book, I, I knew I didn't want to be quiet about it. And I, and I, if, if no one else was going to share their story, then it was going to be me. So 
I have a background in publishing. I worked um, at a major book publisher for nine years. So, and love all things like writing, reading, editing. Um, so I just started sharing my story. I started a blog and, you know, really just kind of word vomited, <laughs> like everything that I was feeling and thinking. And it sort of struck a nerve on Instagram. And, and this was 2017, 18, when not as many people were talking yeah. about it as they are now. Uh, Did so you find that just writing that was healing for you in and of itself? Or yeah, was it I mean, easier I still, to process through things? Or yes, I still feel that, you know, whenever I'm having a particularly tough time, sometimes I'll write an article about that particular topic or and it just it kind of helps me put my feelings into words on the page and kind of organize my thoughts and um so so yeah I I set out to share my story and then it was striking a nerve so started sharing other people's stories especially after I got pregnant I realized you know I felt like sort of an imposter like I'm on the other side of this now and Mm -hmm. there are so many other stories to be shared and so it kind of turned into the first digital publishing platform for all things fertility and non-traditional paths to parenthood. So everything from IUI to surrogacy adoption, donor consumption, et cetera. And, you know, I, it was my side hustle for a really long time and my passion project. And I started a community um, on a third party app where people could kind of meet and connect with others and so it sort of became this really cool fertility ecosystem of like you can read other stories and you can meet others who are going through it and it's a safe space and then what happened from there I COVID happened (laughs) and I had been doing this on top of my full-time job I also had one and a half year old twins And I said, I would love to do this full time. I don't know how to kind of do that, but now is the time. I I don't have daycare. I don't have anyone to help. So something's got to give here. Mm -hmm. My full-time job started, you know, working with some, some brands and clinics to help pay the bills and educate fertility patients at the same time, which was really cool. And then I met my now co-founder, Abby. She had started a fertility app. She's also an IVF mom. She had started a fertility app called Best Shot, which helped you manage your IVF medications and help provide mental health resources for fertility patients who are struggling. So she kind of had the technology and, you know, the financial backing and I had the content and, and the, really the consumers and the, and the patients. So we both kind of had what each other needed to create, you know, we were better, we realized we were better together than we were apart. So we, I love that when that actually happens and comes together and you, and you can realize that because I think so many people assume that they have to do it alone. Right. And I love when we are able to collectively realize it is better together than we we're more yeah. powerful as, as we lift each other up and help each other along and in yeah. whatever way that that looks. And I think especially in this realm. Yeah. And I will say from a creative point of view, you know, 
why our really co-founder relationship works is that we stay meet we stay in our own lanes like yeah. I'm the creative I handle all things content all things social all things community and she's like business you know raising capital selling Perfect. all that stuff so and that's and I think that's why it works so well because yeah. I don't have that side of my brain and she she doesn't have the side of yeah, my brain. Yeah, that's amazing. So it it really works well. And um, I didn't have to sort of compromise what I had created. I mean, we definitely, when we merged, we created a new brand. Um, I was the Fertility Tribe prior and now we're rescripted because we really wanted to kind of come up with our new identity collectively. But, but I feel like the day-to-day hasn't, changed as far as like me being able to you know really post what I think is most relevant and resonates most with with fertility patients yeah and as you mentioned earlier that there's so many different way ways that people are going about doing this although we're all sitting there on our phones not talking to each other and whatnot well from those moments of that kind of feeling of isolation and to your point, feeling like you're younger, which I always say, I don't care if you're 25 or 45, if you want a baby, that's what you want, right? Because oftentimes the younger women get blown off a little bit, like, oh, you have time and don't worry about it. And it's not a big deal. And I'm like, well, it kind of is a big deal because that's what you want right now is to build your family, you know? So did you ever experience that? that? Yeah, I mean, I always say that, that's also one of the reasons I started documenting my journey and offering like as much hindsight advice as I could to others. Because when I went into the fertility clinic for the first time, my first doctor basically brushed me off saying, you know, you're 27, you, your issue is ovulation, PCOS, here's a pamphlet about it. And you just need some Clomid and you're going to be pregnant in no time. So I left there feeling like scared, but optimistic because yeah. she didn't think it seemed, didn't seem right. Like it and for some people that is the case, right? right? For some people it's, it is like that. And then, you know, my first IUI failed and I could not believe it based on what she had yeah. you know, said to me. And then my second IUI failed and my third IUI failed. And by then I was begging to do IVF because I just. I don't think it's talked about often enough, but IUI with medication can be grueling. Like I had, you know, my ovaries were a little slow to respond. I needed high doses of medication, mood swings, like three times a week in the office. At the end of the day for me, IVF was way more predictable. And and I'm in no means saying that it's easier because it's not, but but it just felt like at least at the end of the day, I felt like I had something to show for the hard work that yeah. I did versus like doing all that for what a 25% chance of success. Right. Month. Right. I think like grueling. I think people don't understand to the, what goes into IUI, especially if you're doing a medicated cycle, right? They mm-hmm. think it's the Turkey baster version of like, that's all you do is you go in, you get sperm inserted in you and then you go home and hopefully nine days later you're pregnant. Right. But what Kristen is referring to is it actually, you do have medications that you're taking to stimulate your follicle growth during that time with the intention that you have a better chance of when that sperm is injected to, to meet an egg, hopefully one, they always say 
you know, the your chances of multiples could be greater doing that. Um, but then like my doctor, my first doctor wouldn't even do IUI because he's like the chances, uh, he's like, I can put it up there, but I can't guarantee it's going to meet an egg versus if I do IVF, you know, we're actually making it happen, putting the embryo back in you, you know? Yeah. And I appreciate that conversation because I think not enough doctors, I wish that my initial fertility doctor had asked me how many kids I wanted Mm. because she was just like, oh, you'll get pregnant. No big deal. But for me, knowing I wanted at least two to three kids, I think I may have opted and I had IVF coverage at the time. I was very lucky Mm. to have IVF coverage. So I may have opted to do IVF right away if I would have known, because then I would have had those embryos. Yeah. No, I just think like not enough information was presented in front of me at that time so that I can make an informed decision. Yeah. And that's why at Rescripted, we're really, you know, we're creating really patient centric content that helps people just arms people with the information they need to help them advocate for themselves and make the best decisions possible because it's just hindsight's always 2020 during this process. Yeah. And it's such a good tool to use when you're first going into it to say, what does that even mean? So, because I was just having this conversation with a coach yesterday that most people, same thing with IVF. They think, okay, we're finally going to make that big decision to do IVF. And then we're going to have a baby in 10 months from now. And unfortunately there's so many ups and downs and processes through that, which is why that emotional support through the journey is so needed. And Chris and I were just at the same conference, the American Society for Reproductive Medicine. And I was so happy to see so many sessions on mental health. And they're really starting to get into the whole experience of what the patient goes through, not only through, you know, retrievals and the process of IVF and all of those things, but also the loss, because I know for me, that was a big part of the journey. And what really shifted it for me was those experiences. Um, And knowing that the medical side of it is starting to catch on to, oh, okay, not only does it matter that we're talking about ovulation and sperm health and all of these things, but what is the mental health of the patient who's going through this? So tools like Rescripted going into it, just starting out, just makes you better off, better off overall mm-hmm. as you're walking in the door to the doctor's office from my perspective. And it has yeah. so much there. So Kristen, can if somebody were to go to Rescripted, and we hope that they do after they listen here, what are they going to find there? And is there a proper or different way they should be navigating it? Or is it just kind of, yeah. how did, what's the best way to go about doing that? Yeah. And just to the mental health point really quick, um, our podcast, Dear Infertility, the first season is with um, Dr. Ali Domar. She's been in the industry for 35 years. She literally wrote the study yes. on infertility. She's yeah. amazing and a good friend. And um, every episode is a different pain point related to infertility. And she provides tips for how to cope. So like episode one is negative pregnancy tests. Episode two is pregnancy announcements. And she gives really specific, you know, 
advice that is research backed on how to how to cope and and really validates the feelings involved there so just wanted to yeah she's amazing she's the pioneer of all of that and happy mm -hmm. to say that now her it's extending past her thank goodness because there is so much more that needs to be looked at you know absolutely um but rescripted so yeah you can head to rescripted.com and you know, on the homepage, we're first and foremost a, a media company. So you'll find content for every single stage of the journey. So you can, you know, search by topic, PCOS, endometriosis, donor conception, surrogacy, and, and just find really, like I said earlier, like patient centric, so you know, because we know you're Googling anyway, but we don't want you to end up on WebMD and or Healthline where it's very dry and, and maybe the content isn't geared towards someone who is having trouble getting pregnant. It's geared towards, you know, just anyone. So yeah. we really tailor it to, to those who are actively trying to conceive and we, you know, work with the best brands in the industry, the best clinics in the industry to really make sure that it's accurate and, and science driven. So that's our content. And then we have a full social network for fertility and fertility and pregnancy loss. So it's basically, it's right on our website and you, it's free to join. And it's a social network where you can meet others who get it and connect on, you know, similar topics and interests and diagnoses, et cetera. Uh, we also have medication management tools and videos. So, you know, how to inject your PIO shots and, um, you can log your meds, log your appointments, and we also um, are a virtual pharmacy, so you can actually order your meds too, and we have really great pricing. Lastly, we so have- much. Oh my gosh, right? I mean, just yeah. hearing yourself say that, are you kind of blown away of like how much it's grown in such a short time of what you've done? So yeah, first, so I just my... want to say like, you should be Thank so proud you. of yourself for everything that you've created here. Thank you. I can't take credit for that portion. My my brilliant co-founder, Abby, is um, very passionate about the medication angle. Um, she had a miscarriage after um, overdosing on cetratide after she got pregnant naturally during an IVF cycle. And she just really feels like, you know, why are we still writing down protocols on a piece of paper in 2022? You know, it's like, you know, this is a complex diagnosis and IVF protocols are complicated and, you know, patients need the tools to kind of manage the day to day. And yeah. that in and of itself is stressful, let alone the whole, like not getting pregnant part. Totally. So, um, so yeah, she, she's been like a really, you know, pioneering that whole, that whole. Well, I just mean all of it in general, like all that you just oh, yeah. went, went through is just awesome. And you guys should be so proud of yourselves, both of you. Thank you. And then the Rescripted Marketplace is kind of a collection of our free, our favorite brands and businesses in the industry. Um, a lot of them, you know, female founded and a lot of women who actually have their own fertility journeys. So um, proud to be, you know, backing those brands and, and really bringing, cause you know, you, you Google prenatal vitamins and you get like 900 results on Amazon and what yeah. are, what do you actually need? What do you actually, um, what don't you need? You know, what, do, what do you not even know you needed? So I actually stopped a woman this morning at CBS who was picking up a, like a generic brand. And I was like, 
we really <laughs> we probably want to try this one instead of that one and here's the link for it you can get it tomorrow and you know whatever and she was like kind of taken aback <laughs> at first because it was I was in line picking up a prescription and it happened to be right there um but at the same time she was so grateful because it, like, most people don't know most people think this you know this is what I'm picking up and this is all I need when in fact there's so much more to it and to your point of the medication too the protocols all those things it should be individualized per each person right what's good for me is not good for you and vice versa so having a coach or a physician sometimes the physicians aren't always on board with all the um that's very true supplements and things like that but at the same time work with somebody who can help you figure out what's the right things for you and your body to be taking yeah and listen like i I just went, I just came off a whole other year long fertility journey that didn't end in a baby. Oh, I'm sorry. To hear and, that. um, you know, you still question everything. I, I know so much yeah. and I still or better or worse. I've right? had four, four embryo transfers, two ended in miscarriage and two failed to implant in the past, like 13 months. And, oh boy, you know, you still question, could I have been doing something different? You know, yeah. is there something I'm missing? And, so nothing's perfect, but at least if you know what to ask your doctor about, mm -hmm. it, it kind of steers you in the right direction. Absolutely. And also I always say to the doctors, like, get ready because the women and men that are coming in your doors these days are more educated than they ever were before, you know, so that you also want to work with a doctor that's open to that and, and doesn't feel that as a threat and understands that this is a partnership. You're interviewing them just as much as they're interviewing you and you you are educated in this realm more than you think you are based yeah. on these curated aspects of information which is what i love so much about rescripted and other curated spots like this because it is so important to to be getting the information from people and places that you know are actually up to date with what they're telling you and um and a, from the perspective that they've been through it too and and know the the patient experience is very different than just like you said writing it out there on webmd or something right and then but then on the opposite end of the spectrum there's like a lot of people on social media sharing misinformation 100%. too so it's it's this push and pull of, yeah you know you don't want the dry medical information but you also don't want the you know, hormone health people on Instagram who are saying like birth control is the worst thing ever. And, totally. you know, they, um, it's so there's definitely a balance and, mm -hmm. and, you know, make sure you know where you're getting your information from. Right. And, and again, know that you need to really dial into you, right? Because I think that's where a lot of people are like, oh, maybe I have natural killer cells because Susie Q did and she did this whole protocol and that's what worked yeah. for her. But if you don't have that, that's not what's going to work for you, right? So really knowing, okay, how this is all great information, but how do I put that and make it work for me? And is it relevant to me, right? And mm -hmm. I think on these general groups, there's just people saying, oh, you should try this, you should try that. And, you know, you can go down a rabbit hole of things that are not relevant to you. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So tell us about your twins and what it's like to be a mama of two at the same time. <laughs> it is a wild ride. Um, I'll definitely say that, you know, infertility made me much more grateful from the very beginning. It's like 
hard to believe sometimes that they're even mine. Um, but you know, every stage has its joys and challenges and they just turned four on October 17th and they're in pre-K now and, um, getting big, which makes me sad because I I started trying for a third when they were like just shy of three and I'm still not pregnant. And Mm. it's just like, I can't talk about this without talking about that. And it's because it's just very like ever present and real, but Mm -hmm. um, we're sort of at a crossroads. Like we don't know how much more we want to keep trying. And Mm -hmm. you have to think, like not, not enough people talk about secondary infertility, but you have to think about your kids that you do have. You can't yeah. like, there's, I, at the first time around, I would have stopped at nothing to become a mom. And now it's how much am I willing to take away from my current children to have another baby? You totally. Know? So I'm not closing the door yet. We've been on a break for about three months. Um, I had a miscarriage in end of July um so sorry. gonna take a few more months off and and see where we're at but I think the problem also is like we don't necessarily know where to go from here like we have three embryos left but I've had such bad luck with this batch of embryos that I'm mm-hmm. not sure what to do there or if I want to mentally put myself through more torture mm-hmm. of transferring them and and then but then the thought of doing another egg retrieval is like not appealing so (laughs) I you know I'm just my therapist keeps telling me like you don't have to make the decision right now you know yeah so I'm I'm 33 so I I do have somewhat of time on my side I hope (laughs) yeah yeah and I I, it's it's definitely a a decision that you and your husband can only you can come to that, right? So I think a lot of people have a lot of different opinions on that and can share in their story of what went, they went through, but it all comes down to you guys and your heart oh, and your spirit and what you feel is right for you guys and your your little ones. And yeah. yeah, I agree. People don't talk about it, like what it is to suffer miscarriage when you have other ones to take care of and you feel like you can't be sad because you don't want them to see you sad or you're not feeling good and all the things. And, mm-hmm. you know, even your, the time that you are pregnant, then you're so nervous that you're going to not be pregnant. And so you're not really engaging with them the way that you would want, because I mean, I've been there, I get it. It's, it's stressful and it's hard. And it, 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 I still have a lot of stuff I'm working through with my second one around that, because I feel like I did rob him of the closeness that we could have had because I was so one devastated of a loss and then two consumed with having the next one. Right. So Mm -hmm. I was like, couldn't even focus on the now. Cause I also had, didn't have age on my side. So it was like, I had to, if I was going to do it, it, I had to do it then, you know? Yeah. Um, so I get it, my friend, it's, it's a funky place to be. And I feel like sometimes we just wish if we would have that clarity of like one way or the other, right? Like give me a sign of what to do so that we can move forward yeah. one way or the other type of thing. But I will say it, it kind of fuels my fire even more to do what I do every day because there's just still so much, I mean, what's really cool about the ASRM conference that we went to last week is that like there's still so much research being done. Like it's such yeah. a young field. I mean, the first US IVF baby is only 40. I so know. it's 
pretty cool to be a part of, you know, watching things, you know, innovations happen every day. Absolutely. I know. I said when we got there to my husband, I'm like, it's so weird that I'm actually giddy about learning about sperm and eggs and ovulation and all that stuff. You know, it's yeah. like to me, totally geeking out on it. Um, it's so I get I'm right there with you. I'm fascinated by it all. And I think it's something that we need more people kind of marching on the ground to not only bring awareness, but to educate people and the fact that this is actually happening. And again, giving them curated information to learn accurate, you know, knowledge about what they're getting into and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, I don't think it's going to be getting any better going forward. So, I mean, we can see that there's so many clinics popping up left and right. And that's where I feel like the mental health aspect of being able to support those people who are entering these clinics need to be right alongside of that, right? Of whatever way that that looks. So um, anyway, I also want to, before we log off, I want to say too, for anyone who's listening, who is an entrepreneur, what's the advice that you would give them to actually make that step? Because I know when you're doing the side hustle and you have that confidence of knowing that you have that paycheck, that W-2 kind of thing, and then you're, you take that leap. What is that advice that you would give to somebody who's thinking about, okay, maybe I want to do something else. You know, my, my nine to five is not my end all be all. And I, I'm, my heart is pulling me somewhere else. Yeah. Um, I mean, a couple of things I would say, like, know your why I feel like the reason I was able to push and work on top of my regular job was because I just had such a powerful reason to, to do so. And yeah. knew that I wanted to create what was missing in the space. Um, what else I would say, get rid of imposter syndrome. It's really hard, but even if there's other people doing what you are setting out to do, that doesn't mean that you can't do it better. Mm -hmm. Like my voice is so much a part of, and I'm not trying to like to my own horn or anything, but like my, do it girl. That's what my voice, my writing and my voice and my, you know, experience and the lens at which I write things through and all of that, like informs our content. And like, that's different than other content that you might be seeing. It might hit you in a different way. And so, um, I think there's room for everybody. There's room for everybody. And just because there's other creators in the space, that doesn't mean that you don't have something special. And then lastly, I would say start before you're ready and like done is better than perfect. Amen. Because you can never, if you wait till something's perfect, you're never gonna, like if you started posting on Instagram today in 365 days, you will have 365 posts. But mm-hmm. if you wait 10 months, you will not. So, <laughs> you know, it. it's like, it doesn't have to be Instagram. It doesn't have to be a blog, whatever it is. Yeah. It's just, if you start today, you will have, a lot accomplished in a year and I can't even believe it's been almost five years or has been five years since I started this and look how far we've come from and but and I seriously feel like we just take it day by day sometimes because when you're a startup that's what it is but yeah and things shift and change and I think that's the other thing too as an entrepreneur understanding that first website that you do or whatever it's going to (laughs) change so know that it's just going to be evolving and so to your point of like just start 
because it's going to be a constant evolution. At least that's how it's been for me the last six years and even more in my regular life coaching when I started that in 2008. It's, you just, you think, okay, I have to get it all done and perfect before I get out there and it's gonna change. No, and you learn as you go because, I mean, I can't even tell you how many things when I was doing this by myself with the Fertility Tribe, like how many things I threw at the wall to see if they would stick and how I can make money or how, you know, it's like, ultimately, you're going to have to pivot a million times. (laughs) Yeah, and that's okay because it's all part of the journey, right? You're, You're learning and growing and connecting with other people. I always say too now connection is our currency right now. So those connections that you're making, they mean more than what you think they do and and really cultivate that. And, and it's such a beautiful thing, as I said earlier, this collective that we're doing together is way better than anything we could do on our own. So yeah. knowing that those connections are really, really ideal right now. Absolutely. Well, thanks for being here. Thank you, Elizabeth. We can't wait to see what Rescripted has in its future (laughs) as it continues to grow. Let us know how we can support you. Absolutely. Same here. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Creation Innovation Podcast. Make sure to follow us on Spotify for free episodes and subscribe to the Creation Innovation Podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you choose to get your podcast. Don't forget to rate and review the podcast wherever you're listening for a chance to receive a special gift. Yes, we actually do send out gifts. It's my favorite thing to do. So visit us at elizabethking.com backslash creation innovation for more information on how to enter. Every review counts and we are so grateful. You can follow me at the official Elizabeth King on Instagram or TikTok. Until next time.